Welcome to Badgedamia, a podcast so educational two professors could be hosting it. Hi, I'm Dr. Danielle Dickenview, and joining me is Dr. Bill Pennyman. Welcome to Badgedamia. Today's guest is PhD student and popular culture extraordinaire, Cecilia Serja. Um, Cecilia is a graduate of UNI's master's program in communication and media. She is hilarious, whip smart, and yes, she has great taste in planners. Um, so I'm so excited to have Cecilia with us today. Um, Cecilia, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, thank you. I am so excited to be here. Um, this is surprisingly my first season of The Bachelor. Um, oh. Oh. I have a really hard time keeping up with shows that happen weekly versus binging, but I'm very excited. Um, a little bit about me. I'm now at the University of Georgia getting my PhD in communication studies. Um, I am consuming Netflix like it's going out of style. Um, and seeing all the takeout that Athens has to explore. Oh, what's your favorite takeout so far? So there is this pan Latin place that called Cali and Tito's that has the best sandwiches of all time. And they have this thing called pink sauce. I'm like, it has to be just like mayo and ketchup, but for some reason it just tastes sublime. Is it, is it like fry sauce? Cause isn't that a it's Utah thing? Maybe, but like it like just that. a little different, and you're like, I don't know, I couldn't replicate it myself, but I'm in love with it. I also noticed behind you at first, I thought those were pictures of the bachelorettes, and I was like, Whoa, like we are really like creating a cult of seriousness around this. Like, <laughs> like look like you're searching for a murder suspect or something. <laughs> no, it's actually just a bunch of like feminist photos from Etsy that I wanted to get to add some color to the room. I like it. Yeah. Feminist photos from Etsy, the Bachelorette contestants, like <laughs> they're totally the same. <laughs> um, Cecilia also has like amazing. So I really like to read what I call like popcorn novels, like books that really aren't that good mm -hmm. but you can just like zip through them the way you would popcorn and cecilia is also a lover of popcorn novels yes what is the one that i recommended to you all those white girl problems Walker, <laughs> which is um a, a fantastic series if uh, our listeners have if you need like bachelor quality reading i recommend this <laughs> the fact that it is not taught in classes is wild to me because it is better than any shakespeare i've ever read <laughs> it's it's pretty actually it's it's quite witty um so uh don't let our i mean i enjoyed it thoroughly so like don't let our teasing um distract you from the brilliance that is of Babe Walker's white girl problems. So um, if you all were on The Bachelor, so we, we start out each week with a question. And if you were on The Bachelor, I want to know, what would your entrance be? Okay, so I've thought about this. I have one party trick and one party trick only. 
I can do a cartwheel into a split. So I would come out of the limo with yes. a dress with a pretty high slit so that I didn't, you know, bust the dress on the way uh, in doing this. And I'd just do cartwheel into a split and be like, I'm so flipping excited to get to know you and call it a day. <laughs> wow. I love it. That's amazing. Uh, I feel like that's an acceptable level of like kind of corny, but not. Yeah. Uh, 22 year old Bill could walk on his hands. Ooh. So maybe walk over and say, I'm head over heels for you already. Oh, that's a good one. Look at you all coming with the good puns. I don't know if I could do it in a, like a tuxedo or a suit jacket though. Cause they restrict your arm. I was also much thinner at 22. So there's a lot of mitigating factors here, folks. Well, you know, maybe you just have to costume. You know, some people costume. So maybe you maybe you need to make your attire. Um, well, if that's the case, I would show up in my sloth onesie and get out of the limo, but then move like really slow, like painfully, funnily slow. Where they're like, "Is he still coming? Is he still coming?" <laughs> Be like, let's slow play this, baby. Boom. See, I think if I were on Matt James, you know, season right now, I would have, I would have memorized one of his TikTok dances that he'd done, and got out of the limo and done the TikTok dance so that he could do it because he would know it, and then he could jump in with me. And I think that that would have been a memorable, good start. I think so. Yeah. He'll be on Dancing with the Stars, right? Because he can dance pretty well. Like he seems coordinated. He's really well liked. Like he just seems made for Dancing with the Stars. Probably. Yeah. Okay, so this episode, one word. What you got? Vulnerable. You at <laughs> James both. Vulnerable. Vulnerable. Open. Vulnerable. I'm just, uh, I'm trying to be emotionally vulnerable and I want you to be emotionally vulnerable with me. Be vulnerable. Uh, I said acknowledgement. It just seems like there's a lot of acknowledgements going on. Acknowledging that Victoria is a real person. <laughs> Acknowledging feelings. It's great. I'm going with Queen. Ooh, nice. Whole episode, Queen. So the episode does begin with the first one-on-one -on -one, and Brie is the person that is asked to go on the first one-on-one -on -one with Matt James. So the girls react to, that's just my family. I can hear them. <laughs> um, uh, so the girls right away react to Brie being selected on the first date. There's conversations like, oh, well, what did, what do you think he saw in her? Um, so thoughts on this, you know, Victoria says, I'm the only one being real because the other girls are like, oh, I'm happy for Brie. Thoughts on this. I uh, think Brie got selected because she is really attractive and seems to have a good connection. Um, I don't know what. Yeah, Victoria is just amazing. 
I think I wrote this in the notes. I think she's not really a person. I have this theory and it's not my theory, but we are in like a computer generated simulation. And Brie was like the artifact of some programmers that just got lazy. And we're like, we're just going to make this like mean girl that people don't like. And they had no imagination. So they're like, let's just do all of the qualities we can think of and make her a totally unbelievable person. And that's what you got with her. I wouldn't be surprised if she glitches at some point and just like freezes and they're like, oh, shoot. I feel like I've known a Brie or two. But not like specifically. Not, no, not Brie, sorry. I've known a Victoria or two. Yeah. The Victorias of the world exist, right? And you have to wonder, like my roommate Joey, who like watched with me, who was initially reluctant, but, you know, came around, was like, I just think she's playing this character or it's literally her um, just to get ahead. Like just, just to see how far she can go. Like we need a villain. We need a character that we hate. And Victoria's the gal. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. She's not like, she is a like some total of all of like the, just annoying qualities in somebody that you've known at some point. Like she's got that weird accent where she like draws out everything. She's like too much glitter. I mean, yeah. So one of the things that I also noticed is she keeps like, they keep bringing up, like we're not in a sorority. And like, sometimes I want to go like one, I, I don't have strong defensive feelings towards sororities, but I also am like, but you're also on the bachelor. (laughs) We're not in a sorority. I'm like, no, but like, you're also on a reality TV show, you know? So it's just, it was, it's kind of a funny, a funny thing. It feels like you're alienating your fan base, right? Like I do think you're probably most loyal watchers of the bachelor probably also existed in a sorority at some point like why are you dissing your clientele i just seems counterintuitive for the ratings i had several friends in college who were in sororities and i think they're acting exactly like girls in sororities like they're best friends until they're not and then like they partner off and then they become friends again it's like they are in an exact sorority they are just competing for one it's like a sorority but instead of it being educational or philanthropic it is to get one guy like that's what the sororities like mission is and i will say i do think that the the contestants often have a sort of a unique friendship and commitment to each other after the show's over you see you know not as not very many people have the experience or go through what they go through. And so I do think that they connect on that level. But so let's talk a little bit about this date. So the date begins and we see these two four wheelers, Bri and Matt get on the four wheelers and (laughs) they dump it in the mud. Uh, Let's just talk about that moment, you know, as well, two of us here are Iowans. (laughs) Right. Um, four wheelers are like a thing, so, you know, and thought on this town Iowans. And I worked on a farm like through junior high and high school. Like I was an indentured servant to somebody at our church that my dad basically was just like, you can have my son pay him $2 an hour. Uh, and the takeaways I had from that is that 
Uh, hogsheads smell horrible and that four wheelers are dangerous and can be rolled. Um, and those are really all I know about farming at this point. And so I felt like everyone who's from a small town farm was like, Oh, that's dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I loved Matt's apology. So, you know, after they dump, they cut to a shot of him apologizing to Bree's mom and, and vowing to take better care of her um, moving forward. And um, I thought that that was kind of hilarious. I just, I don't know if the mom would like really accept the apology. Like you ruined her nice clothes. This is like the first date, first impression. You take her on these risky scenarios. I don't, it seems like he might be a gamble. I don't know if this is a long lasting stability thing. You raised some good points there, Because <laughs> literally, their clothes are absolutely covered in mud. And it's like, okay, so now we have to shower, new outfit. Like, what's happening here? Questions. The good news is, though, they happen to ride their four-wheelers and find a mysterious hot tub in the middle of nowhere, which I feel is, like, quintessential The Bachelor. Right. If you do not just stumble upon an isolated hot tub, is it really a season of The Bachelor? Like an adult version of Hansel and Gretel. Like all they needed was a witch to like lock them in and steam them or something. (laughs) It is a steaming hot tub. Yes, I... (laughs) I just thought it was so funny. And then they have that like shot that feels like so scripted. Of him, like, I'm going to take my shirt off now and chop some wood to heat up our hot tub. And she just drooled. I had a couple thoughts on that. One, yes, her face when he took her shirt off and she was like, look, and she's like, okay. (laughs) That was priceless. Second, like, so they have him out here. He's going to chop wood, but they give him the tiniest axe in the world. He's like, you think I can get this in one shot? And it's like, first, that wood's probably pre-split because they didn't want to make him look bad. Second, like that is not the ax you use to split wood. That is like the hatchet you take out if you're like going camping for a night and you have to fell a small tree. Yeah. Fell a small tree. Yeah, a right. sentence I was not expecting to hear on our podcast. <laughs> I've got I've got a lot of them. I'm I'm four cups of coffee in today. I'm ready to go. <laughs> you bet. Um, so what do, what do we think about their connection? Um, they, the, the hot tub did get a little steamy with some kisses. Um, what'd you think about it? I think they have a good connection. Like, I think they both sort of like acknowledge the role of faith in their lives and like their family dynamics seem pretty compatible or at least they, know each other so I think they have a connection beyond that I don't I don't know right if you could just be like oh we have the same family structure that is the entirety of our relationship uh but if it's possible then they definitely have it (laughs) they definitely seem like they they like each other and they have physical chemistry and they have shared experience which are kind of you know big things to start out but to, to your point, Cecilia, it's like, you never really know 
you know, if you, you, you can have an immediate connection with somebody and then you can figure out a whole bunch of stuff. Like she's figuring out that when Matt James kisses, he comes in like uh, one of those fish with like his mouth wide open, which was all over the internet. Well, I saw so many things commenting on him having his eyes wide open when he go in to kiss. Um, especially I think that happened with Sarah. Wait, maybe I think it was with Sarah either way. I thought that was weird. No, it was Lauren. It was Lauren. His kiss with Lauren. He's like, got his eyes wide open. But like, I was like, I am less concerned about the eyes wide open thing than like going in there with an open mouth. <laughs> <laughs> like I was like, like ooh. Yeah, he kisses weird. like a seventh grade boy at his first dance. Like <laughs> <laughs> quarantine hit him hard, just like everyone else. He forgot all his social skills. He regressed all his dating protocol. Like this quarantine is he's down bad. Because I don't think he's had any like if he wanted it, he has had no uh limiting amount of women willing to kiss him. So I'm sure he's got kissing experience. Like, you're right, Cecilia. He must have just, like, quarantined was so long he forgot all of the rules about kissing he had learned. It's okay. His his 8 to 16 abs make up for it. Yeah. Well, it's good to know he's human. Like, he's got one thing that he, like, just is not great at. And maybe he's a great kisser, but, like, the the setup into it, at least we know he's somewhat human and not just a robot. Should I go... So when- Oh, I was going to say, so one of the things that they talked about on their date um, was religion. And I know that Bill has an extra credit for us. I do. I have extra credit. Here it comes. Finger guns. Uh, So religion. um, I've talked a little bit about this uh, in previous episodes. If you haven't listened to him, you should go back and listen. Uh, You can all of our stuff is on podcast. Uh, Apple under Batchadamia. You could leave us a five-star review, maybe write a review. Um, several new reviews popped up. Uh, two of them are from my mom and my mother-in-law. So try to figure out which ones are which. That'll be fun for you. Uh, so why is religion important? Um, probably the place you want to start. Uh, for many people, it's going to guide your actions. It gives you principles to live by. Um, and then a lot of times it assigns roles and responsibilities and relationships. Um, so that's why people value it so much. But the next question is when we talk about religion and faith, um, is how you practice it and how it impacts your beliefs. And so we, we asked the question, does it really matter um, in a relationship if you're of the same religion or if you care? Um, so if it matters to the people in the relationship, it matters. And when you get into psychology and research on psychology, what you find is the perception is almost always more important than what's actually going on. So uh, think about it this way. If I care that you identify as a Christian, um, if I care that you attend church, then religion is going to matter to me. However, if I care that you have a lot of the positive principles of many faiths, um, so things like being kind, your willingness to sacrifice for the good of others, but I don't care that you have identify as a Christian or you go to church every weekend, um, it's probably not going to matter in our relationship where this becomes more complex. So what we find 
to kind of tie that up is that, you know, it, it just depends on the people. Um, if both people don't really care how you identify, it's not going to be an issue. If both people care, it, it's going to be an issue where this becomes complex. If you have one person who's very religious, they go to church every week, but they don't mind if their partner does is when they have kids. Um, and that is because there starts to be communication and negotiation about how do we raise our children? Um, and that is, um, something that I couldn't find a ton of research on other than it's a sticking point and it takes a lot of communication. Um, and a lot of people will say, you know, we're going to teach our children about both religions, um, and then let them pick. However, then sometimes the parent whose religion doesn't get picked feels a little bit uh, jaded by it. Um, and then the other big thing um, that you find when you talk to people is about uh, death in the afterlife. So one of the big reasons people believe in a religion is that it has some type of impact on what happens after you die um, and also burial and celebration of death. And so where people hit a head roads is I can live with you. I can let you practice your religion or not practice your religion, but I don't know if I can be with someone if I think that after we die, I won't see them. So if you're not a Christian, you're obviously not getting into heaven, um, right? If that's my belief system. And so that is another sticking point. Um, so that's really all I have for religion. There's not a lot of good tie-ins to it other than uh, what matters to you matters in the relationship. So, Bill, do you happen to know um, if... For example, know, this, is, this is the question portion of the, <laughs> yes. I'm going to do just like I do to my students. That's a great question. We'll talk about it next week. Uh, we're out of time. You might, you might just know this or have an idea, but um, how do expectations from their family? I could see like family expectations that you might marry in a, into a certain faith. Right. So affecting things too. Yeah. So if, if that religion matters to your parents, it likely matters to you. Um, and so you kind of default back to my original statement. Um, if it matters to your parents and it doesn't matter to you, uh, what we find is that people will often lie about it to their parents um, or they will make what is called like a token effort. Um, so they will get married in the church of their parents, but then not practice. Um, and then deal with whatever fallout that is. What we find is that as people move along and mature and get to know the significant other, um, they make, uh, what do I want to say, concessions for them. So they may still say, oh, I'm, I'm, it bothers me that they're not Jewish, but they are a really good person. Um, and so you can kind of have that mere exposure effect where you start to think of somebody not just in the term of that religion, but everything that comprises them. See, you handled that Q&A flawlessly, Bill. Flawlessly. <laughs> I'm going to put that on my uh, CV. Absolutely. Put it on LinkedIn as a skill. We'll confirm it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, this is way through questions. So after this date, then they move on to announce the group date. And there are... 18 girls on this group date. Um, right away, Victoria's sort of like, oh, I don't want to be on this date because 
I don't want to spend any time with these girls. I just am here for Matt. And then she gets selected and she's like, mm, I, I'm chill with it. <laughs> but I will say they like really predicted that she was going to be a lot of trouble on the date. And I don't know that she was, she was interested on the date, which we'll get to in a moment, but she wasn't really a lot of drama on the date. Would you all agree with that? She wasn't a lot of drama? Not until later. Well, the the whole garter thing. Well, that I guess that was drama. Well, I did the production, but that's not drama. That's not okay. like her causing infighting. I think okay. the reason there isn't drama from Victoria was because of the challenge, which we'll get to in a bit. But in a world in which you're allowed to literally fight other contestants, does she really need to create her own drama? Me thinks not. I, one of my favorite, I have now started a list of quotes from her because she is the greatest person in the world. Um, at one point she said, I didn't make up the words you just said to me. I just said, you said them, which is probably the high point of the season. It's going to be downhill from here. Um, I don't want to go on a group date because I don't think I can be the most authentic self. What is her authentic self? What ungodly final form is Victoria when she is her authentic self. I hope we get to see it. They better not let her go before we get to see like the full butterfly that is Victoria out of her chrysalis and just like eating contestants. (laughs) But what do we think her true authentic self is? Because it most certainly isn't her being vulnerable uh, because the peak of her vulnerability was her saying, I just kind of felt a little fat in this dress. That's actually not being vulnerable as it turns out. So is her full form just like her yelling and screaming at other girls or like- I hope so. You can't have friends who are women? Like what's like what's the tea? I had this moment where I felt really catty where, you know, I had this thought process of, you know, like sometimes you don't want somebody to be themselves because themselves ain't that great. You know? So this like call for authenticity may not, you know, <laughs> may not be the route she wants to take. Um, but so they start out with um, another photo shoot with Franco, who is amazing. But this group date theme where they keep putting women in wedding dresses is less than amazing. I think I was like, did they just pack them up and like drive the same dresses from last season? I is, yeah. Is that like a, like, I don't remember this being a thing until the last few seasons where they like make people put on wedding dresses and it seems to make them kind of uncomfortable. Well, it should. I mean, you're like on a first date and so you're not really, or one of the first dates, you have hardly spent any alone time with this guy. You know that you're mo- you're on a show where you're supposed to potentially be moving towards an engagement, but like you aren't there yet. So this idea that you're like, oh, well, I'm going to figure out if I want to be with you by like putting on a tuxedo and a wedding dress and gazing into your eyes while someone takes pictures of us just is so like I get so squeamishly awkward at just the thought of having to do that I just can't really fathom that that helps you build a connection especially when you could like look at his smiles 
And some of them, they're very awkward. And then some of them, you're like, he really likes this person. And I wouldn't want to be the chick to see the pictures afterwards and say, oh, he didn't smile as bright when he was with these other girls. What? Um, But yeah, I don't, I don't really get it. The dresses were beautiful, but I don't, I don't really get it. So then Victoria brings it by, you know, pulling up her dress. She has her garter on and asking him to remove it. And then she goes in for what she describes as a passionate kiss. <laughs> um, hot takes. I guess I don't know what the word passion means. <laughs> <laughs> I actually like, I think it's one of those words that maybe I just don't know what it means. Because um, what I thought passion meant is not what she thinks it means. And one of us does not have a direct line to Merriam and Webster. Um, she uh, got drug in our house for uh, wearing the wrong undergarment. Oh my God, that black bra was awful. Like, you know, you either go nude or white or just like, it was a mess. And I was Even just like, I was like, it, and I'm a, a guy and like, I will be the first to say fashion's not my thing. And like, she walked out and I was like, kind of looking around at all my friends. I was like, that doesn't look right. If I like, like, no, yeah, that's not, yeah. So I have to say, um, in our notes, you know, Bill had made this comment about the undergarments and I like had this like flash of insecurity. I was like, oh my gosh, do I not know the rules about undergarments? Like, am I, have I been wearing the wrong undergarments? Like I put on underwear and a bra if it's a professional occasion and like that's like that. What else am I supposed to know as a woman? Have I been missing out on it? <laughs> so like, I'm really glad to know that it, I like missed, I just missed it. I didn't notice it. I don't know how, but that it was just like a black and white. I know this rule. I am now reassured that I am not lost in the undergarment game. (laughs) Well, and you could see it. And I feel like with like a wedding dress, the whole point of the undergarment is you don't see the, the undergarment until the wedding night. (laughs) Yeah. That was a bad one. So then they cut up. Sorry, mom and dad. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're shocked right <laughs> now, <I'm sure. laughs> clutching their pearls in their basin oh my so they they cut up these expensive wedding dresses which um made our our fan and past guest nicole schmidt really uncomfortable because she's preparing for a wedding and the idea that you would just take some scissors to wedding dresses made her cringe. Um, but you know, those aren't cheap wedding dresses. Like those aren't, those aren't like hand-me-down wedding dresses. Those are probably like made for the show. And I mean, that was probably what, like $60,000 worth of wedding dress. I watch say yes to the dress when I'm bored. I know how this goes. Like they like, yeah. Vera Wang somewhere was like (laughs) choking. Dying. So like, help me understand this hot mess of a game that they were playing beats me like at first i thought that there was like some rules because it sounded like they were strategizing and then like there's like cake and water balloons and paint and i was like what what is happening it was just pure chaos it did seem like a lot of fun 
it seemed like capture the flag, <laughs> but like with paintball with the cake but then if you're hit you're not done so it was basically you could just like beat the crap out of each other as long as you were using something related to a wedding which is why victoria needed no drama because it was built into the game structure that's a really good read you're right she didn't have time to make drama because the drama was there they let Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Danielle. They let them release their aggression through a controlled means of capture the flag, food fight, balloon fight. Catharsis. Mm -hmm. They should have went like full, like after marriage and had like some Legos you could throw down that they had to step on and like you could hit them with a dirty diaper. (laughs) Like a lawyer, like a, like a drawn up divorce contract. You could like hand to them and just. <laughs> That's the next game. <laughs> I'm getting my own apartment. <laughs> uh, but it did, uh, you put this in the show notes. It did lead to the beautiful quote of let's see if we can get someone hurt. And then I feel bad about it, <laughs> but also Victoria's gestures moment um, instead of jesters. Yeah. Yep. It was pretty said, I think my team is a bunch of queens and their team is a bunch of gestures. <laughs> Not jesters. Gestures. Gestures. <laughs> Once again, Victoria's ability to understand idioms and regurgitate them to us unmatched. Yeah. Haven't seen such quality in such a long time. I can't tell if that was better or worse than the fire hose comment last week where she's like, I can be your fire hose. I make a good drink. <laughs> I like one of my favorite things too about these competitions is when the teams like complain afterwards. The team that lost is like, oh, the other team, they didn't deserve to win. And I'm like, <laughs> like, who deserves like anything in this contest? <laughs> it's my favorite. So then they do move on to the evening portion of the day. Um, in this, Vic, this is when Victoria has her vulnerability moment with Matt. So I have a real question. She appeared to me as constantly being on the verge of tears. Was she, or was it her glitter makeup? I think it's her makeup. So no. I- I would initially say makeup, but as the show progresses, her eyes get puffier and puffier. And like, it look, I don't know what it looks like. It looks like a sty. And I just, I don't know. It's, it was a little weird, but I was just like, I think she's always either just finished crying or is about to cry. And it's the bags under the eyes that's really telling for me. I wondered if it was an allergy thing. If like, because it's shot in the fall, and they are somewhere where she's never been. I wonder if this is her first like interaction with some type of pollen from the trees and it's just wrecking her. The trees were beautiful. They were. Um, so is glitter in? Cause like the nineties the are definitely coming back and that was like a nineties thing. Cecilia, do you know? I think glitter is back in personally. It never left for me. Um, one could never have too much glitter in my opinion, but there are a lot of TikToks and makeup about like having not even eyeshadow anymore, but just like constantly having like glitter or like shimmery things 
it gives you like the lightest hint of iridescence as if that's like your natural eyelid but whatever all right i feel like i need to lean into this a little harder than i have next week um so this is gonna be like gold dust woman (laughs) what did you all think about the disclosure moment like did you i mean i felt like I felt like what she was saying was genuine, but I do think that she went in with a plan. If that is your most vulnerable, then <laughs> we have questions. <laughs> like if that if that is peak vulnerability for you, I can only imagine your life. Yeah, she definitely is uh, not super mature, I think is probably my take on it. Like, Maybe someday she has life experiences and they create a a situation where she gets some more like insight about who she is and how she relates to people. But man, right now she is not. Yeah. Also, Matt's like comment back was like, I thought you were beautiful. Also, not very (laughs) vulnerability match. Not there. He's like, I want to know your deepest, darkest secrets. And she's like, "Ah, you know, this dress, it wasn't it wasn't fitting me right. And then, and then he was like, well, better get on up back upstairs. And she's like, can I have a kiss? And then they kissed and, uh, it was all the steaminess of a pizza ranch pizza that got delivered three hours late. (laughs) The pizza ranch pizza. (laughs) Bland. By the way, I'm not a pizza ranch fan. If they ever come with a sponsorship, I'm going to tell them to no casey's pizza all the way (laughs) so they the he ends up offering the group date rose to lauren let's talk about his and lauren's connection um here so lauren's the one that's from north carolina what are y'all's thoughts she may have the most symmetrical face i've ever seen like She's gorgeous. And it's, we were talking about that when we were watching it. It's like, she is like, yeah. At some point, if I ever teach about this in a class, I'm going to like take her face and see if I can like fold it over and it's going to be like a perfect. And for those people who don't understand what I'm talking about, symmetry is like, you know, that's one of the things that dictates attractiveness in people. If you have symmetrical features. Isn't there like a golden ratio to a face as well? I remember that in math. Maybe she's a case study. Yeah, it's like how far from your eye to the edge of your face, between your eyes, and then yeah, I she and she probably hits hits all of those. So tough, tough situation for her there. Um, I really like her. I. It seems like they have a lot in common, but I don't know that I'm sold on the chemistry between them um it almost feels like they feel like they should like each other because they have so much in common does that make sense yeah i'm with you i feel i couldn't tell if like they're just moving a little slower and they have a lot of com in common but just their personalities or they're more laid back or if they are like i really should like you but i'm just not feeling it it feels like they obviously didn't go to the same high school, but like, it feels like you're just meeting someone that you like went to 
similar high school situation. Like you could hang out, you could be friends. I don't think that, I don't think that makes like necessarily a love connection. Like I don't, it just seems like, yes, we are compatible because we have the same experiences. If my friend group met up with your friend group, we'd be fine. But She also seems really confident, which she should, I mean, she's a corporate attorney, I think. So she probably makes more money than him. Like I just, maybe, maybe some of it is just like all of the other girls seem very like, this is what I need to, you know, I want to be here for Matt. And maybe she's approaching it more from like, maybe we have a good connection. We'll see. Like, I don't know. Yeah. If I were her, I'd be really confident all the time. We'll have to see where it goes. So um, his next one-on-one happens after this and it is with Sarah and they start out, they fly and her hair is like all over the place. I like felt so bad for her. Um, And then they walk through the woods um, and it's kind of really slow going to, you know, be honest. And then she finally opens up by sharing um, her dad's diagnosis with um, ALS and talks about the sacrifices that she's made to, to care for him and how important her family is. And it seems like that disclosure moves the relationship along a bit. So what are you all's thoughts? What do you think about their connection the date as a whole hit me with it. I was worried when they were talking, not worried when they were talking, I was wondering if she was getting ready to leave. Like I I thought maybe he was going to say, it sounds like you need to be back with your family. She was going to say, yeah. Um, And I wondered if at the end, which I think we'll talk about, but she's the one who kind of half passes out. And I wonder if, you know, she's thinking maybe I need to go home. Um, They seem like they have a good connection, but I, I wonder if that's playing in her mind. And I think they, so like initially I was concerned because it was like, oh, she's not being vulnerable enough. She's hiding something. And then she discloses a really, like not dark, but like a really, you know, intimate secret. Um, you know, that's probably caused a bit of development for her strife or stress, so on and so forth. But I find it interesting that, him saying, oh, I will definitely keep your father in my, you know, prayers, um, seemed like a more intimate discussion of religion than the first date or the first solo date. Cause it was just like, oh yeah, we both like have faith, but it was like, and I don't even think she professed any faith at all that I can remember, but it just felt like way more genuine. So I think even if she like, God forbid goes home, I think they have a way more intimate connection than, anyone else on the show i think the first episode she might have said something about being religious because mm-hmm. she got the first rose or she got a she got something they did something they talked or something something happened <laughs> i think religion was discussed clearly i'm really paying attention guys <laughs> i really really like sarah um i do sort of wonder though if she is gonna, I just, I can't imagine giving up my career to go home and do caretaking for my father, not knowing necessarily what that situation is, and then leaving 
that situation that I've sacrificed a lot to be in to go on The Bachelor. Like, and I, so I also wonder if, you know, she kind of, you know, maybe her and her dad did this as a joke, you know, or something like that. And then you get the opportunity and they say like, you know, he says, you really need to do this. And so she does. And then it's really hard. I don't, you know, I don't know. I can imagine some scenarios, I guess is what I'm saying, where it would lead her to be where she's at right now. But I also think it'd be really intense to start a serious relationship um, while doing that caregiving and potentially losing a parent at the start of a relationship would be, it'd just be a really, I mean, I think it's challenging no matter when it happens, but if you don't have that foundation of a relationship there already, who I think it'd be really tough. Well, and while she's there, she has no idea what the progression is of his ALS. So yeah. Or the fact that there's a pandemic. Um, yeah. And he's probably high risk. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so after this date, we moved to the cocktails before the rose ceremony. On to some serious stuff. Real serious stuff. Carolyn and Victoria. Oh, oh my goodness. So it starts out like there's already this like bickering kind of going on between the girls. And then, which is where she said, she said to Marilyn earlier in this, uh, earlier in the episode, I didn't say what I just said. You said that <laughs> again, high point of the season folks. Bill's favorite line. You're just waiting for the opportunity to drop that. Oh yeah. In a meeting. <laughs> I just thought it was so awkward. So obviously if I have to choose a side, I'm team Marilyn, right? But then, you know, Marilyn has a little bit of alone time with Matt and she just starts sobbing in a way that I'm like a little embarrassed for her. Okay. So, so other people felt like that was a little cringy because I, I was like, oh man, that's like, she just seems very needy and like, yeah. It's only episode two, y'all. Yeah. Right. And so... And then he was like, oh, I've been thinking about you. Here's this, your favorite flower, an orchid. orchid. And you're like, so then it's like she brings back this orchid and it's like Victoria gets, like it amps up her jealousy. And she's like, oh, well, Marilyn's bad news bear. And I need to tell Matt about it. (laughs) So, um... Yeah, what are you all's thoughts? And then I'll, I'll talk a little bit about Mean Girls after I hear your thoughts. So I think there's a risk that Marilyn's manipulative, right? And like uses crying as a manipulative tactic. Um, but like, I get it. You are isolated for this long, meet the guy, and you can literally see your chances slipping away. Uh, that's rough, I guess. Um, and so like, I understand from that regard. Uh, But part two, I think something actually happened between them. And I don't necessarily think that anything that Marilyn said was wrong in whatever the hypothetical scenario is. And I don't think we will ever know. But I do definitely think that Marilyn said something, something we probably all were thinking about, Victoria. Victoria has a different interpretation of reality, unlike any other I've ever seen. Um, 
and construes it as drama being mean, vindictive, take your pick. Um, so I don't think Marilyn's completely innocent. However, do I think Victoria made it an explosion over jealousy? Yes, yes I do. I got some thoughts about this. One, Victoria said we are like oil and vinegar. Yes. <laughs> Makes a delicious salad dressing. I think she meant oil and water. Uh, I think Marilyn is not the most confident person in a relationship. Makes her seem like a feeble kitten, kind of. And I think Victoria, being a mean girl, which Danielle is going to like just lay it on us here in a second about that. I think she identified her as that. She is an easy target and she's going after. I also think if you are a queen, um, you do not need to bully somebody like Marilyn. Like if you are that confident, why do you need to go after her? Go after dildo girl. She seems to be a real, um, you know, challenge. And then I think maybe, and this is from my background with uh, people with social disabilities. I think Victoria might have some type of thing that does not allow her to understand social interaction like most people do even when Marilyn and I felt like Marilyn was giving her a good faith attempt to apologize and Victoria was just like I don't want to sit next to you she's like I'm sorry I accept your apology and she's like well she's like you know if I why are you apologizing if you didn't do anything wrong I can't handle this I'm out of here like I just I which from a dating standpoint you really want to think long and hard if that's the type of person you want to have a relationship with because you can think of every argument you've ever had with a significant other. And if they address that argument in that way, oh boy, it's going to be a bad one. Yeah, fighting with Victoria in a relationship would not be fun. Okay, so I've got some extra credit for you. Boom. All right, so Mean Girls. The concept of Mean Girls... Uh, became really popular in the early 2000s. Um, that's not to say that girls just started being mean in 2000s. This behavior has existed for much, 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 much longer than that. But rather the way that we talked about it um, became, we started using the lingo of mean girls around this time. And that's popularized by two different publications that came out, I want to say in 2002, one was, um, oh my gosh, I'm dropping the author's names, Wise, and it's the Queen Bees and Wannabes uh, piece. And then um, Odd One Out, I believe, is the name of the other book. And that became pretty popular in academia, but also in, in popular culture. So you could watch like an episode of Oprah and these authors would be on. And the the gist of the arguments in this book is that adolescent girls are just as aggressive as adolescent boys. Adolescent boys do it by fighting physically. Adolescent girls do it using um, main girl tactics like silence, rumors, gossiping, sexualization, and that they do these tactics to get what they want. Oftentimes what they want is more social power or social capital. Um, and so you see this sort of proliferation of like 
culturally, we become kind of concerned about mean girls. Oh, mean girls are a problem. Like we got to do something about them. And um, some scholars then kind of came back to sort of challenge this, not to necessarily say that like these mean girl tactics are healthy or good, but rather that we have responded to mean girls in a way where we're sort of like, hey, we have this moral crisis, like, which suggests that mean girls are somehow deviating from, that they're deviant. They deviate from what we think girls should be, which is nice and polite and kind and passive, right? Um, and that then we feel like there's a moral crisis because girls aren't acting as girls should. So when boys are physically aggressive, for example, we might still punish that, right? You might still get suspended at school. You might get a talking to about appropriate behavior, but we aren't outraged that there's a, that there's a moral crisis because boys are still fighting. But when women, when girls act in these ways, then we have a mean girl problem that needs to be fixed. And some authors, um, I really like a lot of Emily Rawls work for anyone that's interested, um, have talked about, she writes about gossip girls. And I think there's actually a reality TV show or there was called Queen Bees um, and how mean girls kind of gets represented. in a lot of these other popular culture shows, you might also think Pretty Little Liars, where it's really connected to race and class as well. So um, we now really tend to associate mean girls with middle or probably upper class white women. Um, that it is also sort of like a performance of whiteness, right? So like white girls, when they mean girl, it's these covert tactics of silence and rumors and gossip where we might, for example, say, take black women who are more assertive, this is a problem. And oddly enough, sometimes that's seen as like the antidote to mean girls. Um, so it's really an interesting, um, racialized and classed um, concept too. So that's a little bit about Mean Girls. You can see Victoria sort of participating in it, um, using sexualization and her sexuality as a way. Um, but you can also see ways that she feels that, whether that's not happening or not, she feels like that's happening to her. So she feels like a victim even as she sort of engages in mean girl tactics herself. So that's your extra credit. <laughs> Jazz hands. Awesome. So um, then we move to the rose ceremony. We don't really get into it. And then we have Sarah who's um, almost passes out. Um, we've talked a little bit about what we, we think that will happen. Um, any thoughts on who you think you will send home? I said everyone who I don't know who they are. All the people when they show up on screen, I'm like, wait, who's that? Who's that girl? I think a lot of the people who didn't get on the group date are just like, yep. yeah. I'm concerned for Kit. I kind of want Kit to stay around. I feel like she's fun. Didn't she? Huh? Didn't Kit get a rose? Oh, did she get one? Was she one of the, cause he gave a couple away. Yeah. I think she got one and that was like literally almost right before. Right. Yep. Sarah MJ's, passes out. I'm concerned about MJ too. I feel like MJ seems fun. She seems game. 
She does, but you haven't seen them interact very often. So she won whatever rules there were to that game. She apparently exercised them and one captured the snitch golden snitch golden heart snitch capture something (laughs) anything (laughs) so any any takeaways one sentence what what lesson did you glean from this week's episode of the bachelor the queen doesn't go home that was my last victoria quote and i feel like it is fitting she said i don't care about this rose because I will get one because the queen doesn't go home. Bow to your queen. You know, just be more vulnerable, folks. Be more vulnerable. Is there a drinking game for this season of The Bachelor? Because every Victoria messed up idiom and every time Matt says vulnerable uh, definitely belong on the bingo card. Absolutely. I think... My takeaway is that I need to research more on appropriate undergarments. (laughs) Always pack the appropriate undergarments. Important lesson gleaned from this week's episode of Pachadamia. So uh, any shout outs to your friends, Cecilia? Any last wise words you want to leave with our listeners? Yes, I would like to thank Danielle for finally getting me into The Bachelor. Thank you to Joey for watching The Bachelor with me. And thank you to my friend Latanya, who also was tweeting about The Bachelor. Well, that's amazing. Yeah, We did it. Another week. Another week. We'll see y'all next week. Thank you so much, Cecilia. Sounds great. Thank you all so much. Bye-bye, everybody. You've been listening to Batchadamia with your hosts, Drs. Daniel Dick McGew and Bill Henniger. All opinions expressed on this show are solely the opinion of the person who spoke them. If you like our podcast, please consider following us, leaving us a five-star rating, and a positive review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, please share with your friends, family, and other ardent Bachelor content lovers. If you have comments or questions you would like us to address on the show, you can email us at batchadamia at gmail.com or on the Twitter with the handle at batchadamia. Thanks for listening.